Account takeover fraud is growing globally, and it's targeting accounts at banking institutions and e-commerce retailers. Here, Julie Conroy, a financial fraud analyst with ITE, explains why the banking and payments industry struggles to stay ahead of this trend. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Julie, new research from ITE shows account takeover fraud is growing. How much of losses linked to account takeover increased in the last year? You know, um, the report doesn't actually have substantial numbers on the e-commerce side, but we do um, have firm numbers on the financial institution side, and uh, and there we're we're seeing a steady uptick in in account takeover fraud. So uh, in 2012, global corporate account takeover losses were right around 455 million. We saw those jump to 523 million in 2013, and and the growth rate is continuing to be pretty robust there. So we'll see those numbers reach nearly 800 million by the end of 2016. As I spoke with with e-commerce retailers as part of this this report, which looks at the cyber threats and how they're impacting financial institutions and uh, merchants, many of the e-commerce merchants that I spoke with saw account takeover really kind of hit a tipping point in 2012 and 2013 relative to to stolen card fraud. Uh, Stolen card fraud you know, those, those credit card numbers that have been captured through skimming attacks, tax through database breaches, traditionally had represented the greatest form of fraud losses for e-commerce retailers. But in 2012 and 2013, many saw account takeover take top spot and eclipse stolen card fraud in terms of their greatest cause of losses. Now, in the financial space, we understand how account takeover occurs from a banking institution perspective, but how does account takeover occur from the e-commerce perspective? Well, this is why we've seen it be so damaging, is that all of those database breaches that we see where account credentials are compromised, so the username and password are compromised, that's how account takeover takes place in the e-commerce space. The bad guys then take those compromised credentials, load it into their automated bots, and direct them against as many online properties as they can, cognizant of the fact that about 55% of consumers use the same set of credentials across all of their online relationships. When those credentials do successfully get the bad guys into an e-commerce site where the consumer has their card data stored on file, the bad guys will then go in and buy as much as they possibly can and sell those goods on the black market. So it's very damaging to the merchant because the merchant at the end of the day is the one that's left holding the bag for those losses. Julie, are e-commerce retailers suffering greater losses than banking institutions? You know, it's hard to tell because it's such a different type of fraud. The individual losses do tend to be smaller, but you have greater opportunity because you have so many of these credentials that are getting compromised and they're being used against multiple e-commerce retailers. The other thing that we do see there is that the bad guys are starting to figure out that B2B types of losses with e-commerce retailers can be extremely profitable as well, you know, very similar to what we see on the banking side. So you have greater exposure on your B2B. When I say B2B, picture you know, an office supply company that has a, uh, an online presence and services a lot of businesses and is used to much bigger orders, computers, that type of equipment that has a very healthy resale value on the black market. So I'm not sure that you can say that one industry or the other is taking greater losses. Um, you know, the, the pain that both are feeling are pretty great, and uh, the exposure going forward is also great because the bad guys just keep innovating and uh, 
keep working their way around the defenses. What about the enhanced security layers and authentication methods that banks have invested in? Are they just not effective? Well, and both populations continue to invest in additional layers. The challenge is that the banks and e-commerce retailers have to make a business case every time they want to deploy another layer of technology. They have to work through their own internal software development life cycle. It tends to be a little bit longer at the banks than the e-commerce retailers that have a little bit more nimbleness. But at the end of the day, both of these groups do have to have some sort of cost justification, have an implementation process to go through, whereas the bad guys don't have to make a business case to develop their latest innovation, and you, know, you witness that with the current trend line where we have 150,000 unique strains of malware being deployed every single day. They just have a lot more resources that they're throwing against this, and those resources are permitted to be a bit more nimble than the targets, unfortunately. Julie, it's been two years since the FFIEC issued its updated authentication guidance. What difference, if any, have some of these changes related to conforming to the updated guidance made when it comes to account takeover losses? Yeah, some of the good news with the guidance is it did force institutions to institutionalize some of their processes, such as it forced periodic risk assessment, which I think was, was one of the best elements of the guidance. It also gave institutions that had had some things like behavioral analytics on their wish list for a long time, it gave them that compliance excuse that they could use to prioritize this relative to some of the other things on the roadmap. And so there have certainly been some positives that came out of the guidance. That said, we continue to see the loss rates rise. And again, it just goes back to the fact that the bad guys just have the luxury of moving quicker. They're smart, they're well-funded, and they're very well-resourced. And so they aren't constrained with some of the same business processes that their targets are. And so that you know, institutions do continue to feel the pain. Now, one thing I'll say is that guidance came in 2011, and you know, true to these processes I just described, where banks have to do their research, do their business case, go through the implementation processes. And some of the technologies, like behavioral analytics, haven't even been implemented yet at banks. So I think that we will continue to see banks make incremental progress, but at the same time, they're up against a fast and formidable foe. So as quickly as they progress, the bad guys will keep evolving and innovating on their side as well. Now, going back to talk about e-commerce retailers, would you say that they are perhaps more the weak point? Are they not investing in the same types of authentication and layered security that banking institutions are? You know, it really depends on who you're talking about and what business they're in. Um, unfortunately, for these e-commerce retailers, it's a little bit of a different equation for them because they are very sensitive to putting too much friction in front of the customer. At the end of the day, they would rather take a little extra risk rather than risk losing a customer because the process is too clunky. That said, I have talked to a number of e-commerce companies that are starting to put some of those extra steps in front of their customers to stem this account takeover trend that's been so damaging. So doing things like, you know, in the digital space, we're seeing a number of folks that are in the space of selling software downloads or in the online gaming space. Many of those folks are starting to introduce out-of-band authentication as a stepped-up process. So if their first line of defense, which is usually device fingerprinting, shows some anomalies, then they'll have the stepped-up capability and, and do an out-of-band authentication prompt. You know, some of the, the more traditional e-commerce B2C types of endeavors, I'm also seeing folks do things like you know, not completely relying on all that stored 
credit card data in the wallet. And so one of the merchants I spoke with has started uh, requiring CVV for every single online purchase, not relying on that stored data that they have in their wallet, but asking the consumer to input it. And the interesting thing in this case was that the merchant really was braced to have an attrition and have a loss in sales because of this. And they actually saw an increase in their completed sales. Because they were sending CVV2 with every transaction, they were seeing a higher approval rate coming from the issuers on those transactions. So it's very interesting to see how merchants are braced and they're, they're very leery of putting consumers through any extra steps. Sometimes there can be some unforeseen positive consequences as well. Julie, you've touched on the fact that it's difficult for the industry to keep up with the evolving malware attacks that, that are out there and that fraudsters are able to be a little bit more nimble than the industry is able to be. But do you see any gaps? Is there some place where the industry is failing to address a core problem or vulnerability? You know, I, I don't think that you can say that there's any one gap. Um, you know, the, the reality is that you know many of the larger merchants are pretty savvy about this stuff. They have taken to heart the need to deploy layered defenses, financial institutions as well, for that matter. But you know, the bad guys study their target and they evolve around those defenses. The unfortunate reality is the consumer, the end user, is our weakest link and always will be. And as much as you want to harp on, and by you, I mean the industry at large tries to harp on the need for consumer education, as we've seen over time, that can only go so far. So the reality is that, you know, we have a bunch of folks in this industry that are working hard to stay one step ahead of the bad guys. Consumers continue to fall for the tricks that the bad guys use to get the malware on the computers to capture those credentials. You know, phishing is still going strong even after all these years of consumer education. So we need to continue to view fraud as, as a journey, not as a destination. And basically the effort is to be the institution or e-commerce company that makes it harder for the bad guy to get through your defenses than the underlying data is worth, or at least harder to get through your defenses than it is to get through the defenses of the guy down the street. Julie, one of the things that's been noted in your research is that account takeover fraud has increased throughout the world. Are losses impacting some markets more than others? We're definitely seeing that, like all types of fraud, there's, there's some cyclical nature with this. And so I'm seeing an uptick in Asia-Pacific in particular, that uh, this, this type of fraud, is particularly the, the corporate account takeover fraud, is really seeing an increase there. You know, But these are global organizations. They go where the money is, and they also go where the softest targets are. I think that there's no economy that's immune. You know, e-commerce companies in Latin America are certainly seeing that they're under pressure. You know, the other thing that you could look to as a global trend, and you know, this will continue, is anywhere the EMV is being deployed we'll see a corresponding uptick in all other types of fraud. So as EMV comes to the market, you will see increases in account takeover. You will see sharp increases in CNP fraud. The unfortunate reality is that as the U.S. migrates to EMV in just a couple years, I think merchants around the world, and banks for that matter, should prepare for a very sharp increase in CNP fraud because you know, as all of these other geographies have gone, we have represented this great, easy outlet for all of that stolen card data at the point of sale because of our reliance on MagStripe. As we, the last G20 country, migrates to EMV, there's not going to be any other 
really easy mark out there for the stolen card data. So it's all going to focus on the online environment, and we're going to see some pretty dramatic increases in CNP fraud. Just to shift gears a bit, the report also notes that mobile is a pain point for retailers in particular. Julie, is mobile somehow linked to account takeover? Well, I mean, there is a linkage to account takeover. We, we actually see a lot of cross-channel fraud that takes place with mobile. One of the bankers I actually spoke with said that it never ceases to amaze him how willing consumers are to click on a bit link that's been texted to them by somebody they don't know and then input their credentials. <laughs> it's a little flabbergasting, actually. But mobile, from the e-commerce perspective, I think e-commerce is actually a bit of a canary in the coal mine for the financial services industry, and you know, particularly the banks and credit unions. You know, banks and credit unions have had their mobile channels pretty tied down from a transactional capability. You know, not a lot in the way of high-risk transactions could take place in mobile, but that is very rapidly changing. E-commerce folks, on the other hand, haven't had the luxury of tying down. You know, they want to execute the sale. And so they create a very similar experience in the mobile environment as to what they have in the online environment. And the app environment in particular, I'm hearing, has been particularly painful. And, and you know, as those apps get pushed out there, in many cases, you know, the, the retailers just don't know what they don't know about the app environment. And the bad guys do find the loopholes first. And many of the e-commerce retailers I spoke with said that they are seeing loss rates that are orders of magnitude higher in mobile than what they're seeing online right now. And I think that's a lesson for the banks as well because you know, as they push additional functionality to the mobile environment, we will see the bad guys catch on and follow. The pace of growth of mobile malware, I think, is an early indicator of that. As of 2011, there really weren't many strains of mobile malware out there. I think the number of unique strains produced in 2011 totaled something like 792. We've seen that leap, and by the end of this year, you know, if, if we continue on the current growth pace, we'll have close to 100,000 unique strains of malware produced for the mobile environment this year. Uh, it still pales in comparison to what we're seeing online, but it's a pretty robust growth rate, and it shows that the bad guys are starting to focus their efforts on that environment. And then, Julie, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? It, it continues to be a really tough job, that job of protecting your bank or your e-commerce company's mobile and online environment. The reality is that that is where consumers are increasingly transacting. That is where you know, banks and merchants are increasingly encouraging consumers to transact because those consumers tend to be very profitable. But the bad guys also recognize the profit opportunity. They're focusing intensively. There's not a lot in the way of deterrent to this because it's so difficult for law enforcement to crack down on this issue. One interesting bit of positive news I got as I was speaking with some of the e-commerce merchants was there are a few that are actually finding successful ways to prosecute. And the hope is that as they do go out and actually start getting successful prosecutions, potentially that will start having a bit of a deterrent effect. So it's early days yet, but I think, you know, we just need to continue to iterate what we do as an industry, be creative, and, you know, we're not going to get a step ahead of the bag as at this point, but at least we could start keeping pace maybe. Julie, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Julie Conroy of ITE. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.